This podcast is brought to you by Online Retailer, Australia's leading retail tech conference, expo and networking organisation. Recorded at the Online Retailer Conference in 2017, here we chat with world-class digital leaders to bring you industry insights, practical examples and actionable ideas from our incredible community of retail renegades, marketing masters and creative entrepreneurs who all want to do retail business big. We want to extend the conversation after the event and to keep exploring where the future meets retail. So let's talk shop. Welcome to this episode of the Online Retailer Podcast. I'm Kylie Lewis and I am in the company of Grant Arnott, who is the publisher for Power Retail. Hi, Grant. Yeah, hi, Kylie. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for having a chat with us. Um, Now, for those people who don't know what Power Retail is, would you mind giving us a little bit of a background as to um, what what you founded when you started Power Retail and what it does today? Sure. We we launched Power Retail in 2010, so my background's in business, media and publishing. So Power Retail is a news and information resource at its heart for, for the online retail industry, so a very narrow spectrum, but we provide daily news and content and information specifically aimed for online retailers to keep them in in the know but also help them with their businesses Uh, we've also expanded into books as well so we publish an annual edition of a print book called the e-commerce leaders playbook and that features a list of the top 100 online retailers in australia uh, as along with a, a lot of best practice information and case studies and so forth And then we also launched an event last year called the All-Star Bash, where we actually celebrate the top 100 online retailers in Australia. So we've sort of got um, a footprint across digital, print and events now. So your background is in publishing? My background's in business media, yeah, so business publishing. And so definitely in niche markets like online retail and before that marketing, um, facility management, franchising, so some really sexy stuff out there, but um, definitely fell in love with the, the e-commerce industry and online retail, and yeah, it's been been a great, great fun ride since 2010. So it's powerretail.com.au? Powerretail.com.au. Yeah. And all the content's free, so you know it's a great opportunity to uh, find great information on, on other businesses in the space, but also get a lot of best practice insights from our special report downloads and white papers. Mm. And so you started that in 2010, so we're in 2017 now. Yes. What have been perhaps some of the changes that you've seen over that time? Wow, we've seen some phenomenal change absolutely in the Australian online retail industry. I mean, if you think back to 2010, uh, brands like David Jones, Harvey Norman, Target, uh, I think Maya was, but look, so many established brands that you just associate with being omnichannel, weren't even trading online at the time. Uh, you know, it was always a bit of skepticism around online as a as a vehicle. It was it was a tiny fraction of the market. Um, it's probably around two percent of total retail sales back then. You know, it's now moved to around eight percent, and we still think it's got a lot of growth ahead, which is a very exciting time to be in the space. But uh, yeah, back then, I think the the industry was really driven a lot by the pure play retailers so uh, your catch of the day deals direct kogan uh, brands that were were dominating the e-commerce space but not really having a a huge impact on the retail market at large Uh, when that needle started turning and when established brands started stepping into the e-commerce space and um, building out their offerings i think we saw that um, there was a balancing and it 
a window of opportunity, I think, closed for some of those pure play retailers, particularly where they have, didn't have a differentiated offering. So you saw some consolidation, you know, over the years. Brands like um, Grays Online, Ozsale, Deals Direct, Double O, the rural independent brands are now, you know, pretty much consolidated under the, the one brand. Uh, the group buying um, boom and bust was probably something that I witnessed. Um, you know, around 2010, uh, Groupon was taking over the world, and a lot of clones were coming uh, into the Australian market. And now, you know, you'd, you'd be struggling to. F- I mean, Groupon still still going strong, but but um, uh, relative to to what it was at the time, I think the the uh, steam's well and truly gone out of the group buying sector the private shopping clubs as well the same the same thing you know there was a lot of talk around um, you know again Ozsale, um brands exclusive these these businesses still exist but they certainly don't have the um, the growth trajectories that they they used to have and I think those um, those models you know have been found out somewhat in terms of uh, their longevity and sustainability and then it all comes back to the established brands with really good customers really good supply chain I think has really become a key component that um, differentiates uh, sustainable businesses from unsustainable businesses but look what what I love about the space you continue to see breakout businesses like recently you look at um, Monpurse and Disrupt Sports and the, this move into these um, highly customized personalized experiences look at what shoes of prey has been able to do in australia and then um, transport their their brand overseas so you know still a lot of excitement um, to play out and i think the other big thing if we're going to continue talking about that 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 changed over time is around that 2010 2011 time the australian dollar was really um, high against the american dollar so it made the cost of overseas goods really cheap and there was a lot of uh, protectionist talk around lowering the GST threshold to prevent that. Um, you know, what are we, six years on? We finally got the legislation approved, but they can't even implement it at the moment. So all this furor around, okay, well, let's protect ourselves from the online invaders. That was, you know, a big wave of hysteria around that probably period around 2010 to 2012. It, it sort of helped um us at Power Retail, we certainly had plenty to write about at the time, but I think we have been um, pretty strong in our view that forget protectionism, start competing. And and I think the thing I'm proudest of most in terms of Australian retail is how far the needle has moved in terms of the Australian online retail experience as a whole has improved so much in that time. Still got a very long way to go, um, but you know what was a pretty ordinary experience is now on balance a, a pretty good experience and you know I'd like to think with events like online retailer and um, hopefully resources like power retailer we can make it a, a great experience going forward. So that's a really interesting point that you raised because having worked in digital we always look overseas to see what's going on and in particularly to the US thinking you know there are a couple of years at minimum ahead of where we're at. In your experience do you think that gap is closing between the local experience and you know what the innovation we see happening in the US? Yeah well I think um, you raise a really interesting point so I get to at least one conference every year in the US and 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 try and do too and I really love talking to the local retailers there and what you find is that whilst there is a um, I guess an element of cream at the top that does really well and sets the pace and sets the example in the US the they represent maybe the top two percent and 
every other one representing the 98% is grappling with exactly the same fundamental challenges that everyone in Australia is. So it is a bit of a misnomer that Americans are, are leading the way because the whilst there might be a few at the top of the pyramid that, that shine, um, they're still a long way off. And I think absolutely Australia has caught up. Um, the standards of our top online retailers are at a level that would match the best on offer in the US, except I would say, you know, Amazon is just such a, a dominant beast and a dominant player. And even in the US, you know, has proven to be pretty much untouchable as a as a colossus, I guess, and has, um, that that is the the dog that everyone's chasing. We'll get to Amazon in just a sure. minute. But the other thing that I've also wanted to raise was just in the last seven years is the rise of social. Um, and there was a great study that came out from Adobe. I think it was around 2013 that was um, research with uh, digital marketing managers. And the statistic was that 76% of digital marketing managers found that uh, digital marketing or marketing had changed more in the last two years and in the last 50. So, you know, from that perspective, it was, it was the Adobe Digital Distress Survey right. as well. So, um, so have you seen, what impact have you seen from your reporting of the industry about the impact of social on e-commerce? Yeah, social's obviously had a massive impact on digital marketing as a, as a whole and digital marketing has transformed so much and it's not just social it's um, you know search and, and things like that that play into creating nightmares really for, for digital marketing managers who are having to try and juggle so many different channels and then you've got to look at you know automated automation tools and real-time bidding and and trying to work out exactly what's going on and the next day it's it's changed completely again and a, and a new entrant has entered the market I mean social media is really interesting and I think there's certain elements of social that have really driven behaviors and customers that retailers really need to to understand and, and tap into and one of the big ones I think in recent years is the rise of, of visual discovery so uh, using tools like social media channels like Pinterest and, and Instagram um, to connect with, uh, to, to discover product, to discover product, to discover ideas as a source of inspiration rather than going to um, the Google search page, which was, you know, the, the standard, um, standard bearer for discovery for, for so long. And the other thing in social too is just the, um, you know, the chat side of things is not taken off yet, but in terms of its implications commercially, I think is about to take off. You're seeing a lot of chat bots in the um, Facebook Messenger application that then will connect you directly with things that you want to buy. And I think you'll see some really um, strong applications coming out in, in what we call conversational, what, not what I call, but what the industry calls conversational commerce um, taking off in the next few years as well. I'm so glad that you raised Pinterest as part of a social platform because um, having worked in the digital space, and this was even six years ago, we could see that the referral traffic from Pinterest right. was exceptionally strong. Right. So they're small but mighty. They've got, they seem to have not as big a usage or uptake, but the people actually on the platform, like you said, they're, they're, they're in discovery mode. Um, and in terms of the referral traffic that they're driving for e-commerce, it, um, it was really significant. Yeah, look, I find it incredible that Pinterest itself 
when people talk about the darlings of, of commerce and the powerhouses, doesn't get talked about in the same light as a, as a Facebook or a, but certainly commercially, the, the implications are extraordinary. I think, you know, the poor folk at, at Pinterest may not realise the, the gold mine that they're sitting on in terms of the, the power that they have. I, I know so many stories like what you were describing where retail brands see extraordinary levels of not only traffic from Pinterest, but really qualified traffic that goes on to, to to buy and that's such a powerful um, source and it's you know basically free and I think that they were one of the the last to sort of commercialize it and put buy buttons on and, and I don't think they've really um, capitalized on on the the value that they create yet so I saw some research that said that Facebook will drive numbers but their average spend is lower whereas right. Pinterest yep. is the uh, exactly the opposite so less buyers but much more qualified and and more likely to spend more yep. yeah and spend more so bigger average order value yeah. so it's an interesting yeah, strategy yeah and that that's something I've I haven't seen the the collective stat but certainly something I've heard anecdotally from retailers that really think Pinterest is is a huge driver and and I just look at the behaviors of um, uh, you know my wife in particular and, and my uh, stepdaughter who you know refer to Pinterest immediately when they when they want to uh, discover something yeah. and don't don't even tap Google well, the and, they, and these are these are people that are you know think effectively I think the younger generation is even moving off Facebook and they're they're looking at snapchat and WhatsApp and and they're, and they're using the chat tools they're less interested in the Facebook feed because it is cluttered with adver- advertisements but they go to Pinterest they love Instagram so yeah I think Facebook um, look it's still very much a powerhouse but they have to be careful that they don't um, don't cannibalize themselves by by throwing so much advertising content in there that they uh, become not the not the addictive social media environment that that got people there in the first place yeah and it was interesting i the bridge between uh, e-commerce and social closing on instagram um i was doing some research for the uh, rebecca minkoff presentation that right. happened this morning and they're one of the few brands i've seen in the u.s that are trialing the um, buy button um directly from pinterest right. from instagram so you can go to their their instagram page and you can see a post and it will say click for product details and you can yep. actually click, click all the, the way through Yep. So that, that gap between social and commerce is definitely closing on Instagram. But another thing I also found really interesting, I was speaking to um, a woman who has a 20-year-old daughter and she said, oh, yes, my, my daughter actually uses Instagram like Google. So if she's looking for something, she'll search for it on hashtags. And, you know, it was kind of even this narrowing focus down to go, okay, well, what does it look like if you think Instagram is a discovery tool like Google? Yep. How important does that be? Then yep. make you know um, hashtags and and product descriptions and what could that what does that look like you know when you really take that um, what, the next step further? Yeah, look, it's um, you know the I guess the the pace of change in social and, and digital in general is is difficult to keep up with and you know every conversation I have about it you know, I hear about something new that's happening and um, yeah buy buttons are you know going to be a natural extension of, of social but uh, again I. I there's always that caution of over commercializing it because the the key word is social and you've got to keep it social and once it becomes antisocial and and or perceived to be just a a product environment it's not 
it's it's going to fail because it started on on the basis of building community that's right yeah and so brands clearly want to tap into that it's very powerful when you can tap into it and and uh you know digital gives you the means to to tap into it but i think it just needs to be managed carefully we don't want to be sold to all the time no people don't want products rammed down their throat And, and i think there's already you know significant angst amongst facebook users that are feeling that uh you know due to the the power of of cookies and behavioral insights that um i I hear constantly anecdotes about people saying well gee i happened to search on a website about something and then i visited facebook 10 minutes later and i had four ads for whatever i was searching on so uh i think they're yeah in danger of overdoing it potentially but you know facebook's uh, they're far smarter people than me, but just for, as an outsider, it looks looks like that could be a threat. And they're not going away anytime soon, so... No, certainly not going away. It's not... I'm not predicting the end of Facebook, but I just think they want to, you know, f- fairly carefully manage that that relationship with their users to make sure that, you know, the social content remains the forefront because if it does become a, um, an, a cluttered environment full of... Unwanted advertising messages, then I think it will um, could go backwards. Mm. So let's look forward and where you see some of the big big changes happening on the horizon. So you mentioned Amazon. Can we go there and talk about where, where what's yeah, happening sure. in the Australian market with the arrival of Amazon? Yep. Well, look, uh, the latest for me in, in in July is understanding that there's um, some ads being placed for a warehouse employees in in Melbourne. So, you know, it's very real in terms of uh, what is imminent, but no one knows what volume. I think from my perspective, there's a lot of uh, paranoia about Amazon and that's warranted to a degree. I think in Australia, we've still got a a pretty strong window. They're not about to drop out of the sky like an alien invasion and, and set up exactly what they have in the US, which has taken them, you know, 20 to 25 years to, to build that um, business and that network. So that's not happening this year. But um, Amazon having a presence, look, we heard this morning that Amazon already have a strong presence in Australia. There'd be, you know, a billion dollars in in sales via Amazon, I'm, I'm certain, you know, annually to Australian customers um, or, or pretty close to it. So um, Amazon already has a presence. They have their Amazon Web Services has been here for, for years. So it's not like they're um, not already established at, at some level within Australia. But I think, look, we, we've got a very different um, environment to the US. We've got a different uh, geography. Amazon will be popular. There's no doubt about that. But I think we are protected somewhat by our geography. If you think about retail in the US and, and you know, it was a word Armageddon used to describe it this morning, but I think um, uh, it was a, it was an environment probably ready to crumble Amazon or no Amazon where the um, amount of stores being opened up, you know, it was just this uh, strategy within retail stores. Okay, well, you grow and you open more stores and you open more stores and you open more stores and forget about the ceiling, you just keep opening more stores and that's that's how you grow. Um, and I think that's hit a tipping point, Amazon or no Amazon. So I think Amazon's just helped um, significantly drive a, a crushing wave that's accelerated you know, the demise of, of big box retail in the US. 
Um, some really interesting discussions this morning around you know virtual inventory versus real inventory and um, using virtual inventory and, and on-demand to be able to scale and, and, and create profitable businesses versus um, buying you know, loads and loads of stock, not being able to sell it, um, getting undercut on price by competitors. Um, that model, I think, is, is where Amazon is able to dominate. And then when they come to the Australian market, I think they're going to see that you know, they, they're going to have some challenges. There's very high labour costs for running warehouses and, and delivery networks that they don't encounter in some of their other markets. And also we've got a really um, concentrated population base around the two cities of Melbourne and, and Sydney. Um, yes, we have a, have a large country mass, but um, the US, you have population centres all through all across the US and that they're the ones where the retail stores are really dying if you look at some of the the big brand established retailers and their their stores in say Chicago and New York and LA and some of these big population centers they're performing really well those stores um, in spite of Amazon but it's those uh, regional um, or sort of satellite city stores that are, that are getting eaten up by Amazon because they can't compete with the range, they can't compete with the, the price and um, Amazon has fulfilment centres with everything in it, you know, just down the road and no need for um, store rentals and things like that. So I think that's where we are insulated a bit. That's probably a very long answer to your, to your question, but um, I think we are going to find ourselves insulated somewhat, but over time Amazon is going to have a have a disruptive and destructive impact. It's just going to take longer here in Australia to really filter through. The word Armageddon is actually a really interesting and provocative one, but it seems that retail has, traditional retail has been a bit broken for a while. The Australian market is over-serviced in terms of, um, you know, bricks and mortar. Um, yep. And so a shake-up is inevitable, painful, but kind of inevitable. So Yeah, and that's right. And that's, you know, the same thing's happening in the US. You know, it's mm. been over-serviced with big box, half-empty stores for, for a very long time. So that, um, you know, that correction was happening with Amazon or, or no Amazon and and yes I think I think it's happening here as well um, and online you know presents an, an alternative and it it will it's not just Amazon it will just as the experience improves online will lead into traditional retail revenues. And what about the sort of cultural movement um, to buying less and living with less or being more conscious about consumption and buying better rather than buying more. I, I'm curious about that because, you know, I think about, you said, you know, growth comes from opening more stores and, you know, this assumption that we will keep consuming more. But I feel like retail's also struggling because there's a massive cultural shift with our concern about the impact that we're having on our environment, the the footprint that we that we leave and the footprint of the products that we consume. And, you know, I think that's that's also making retail really tough and causing this you know, this um, big change that needs to happen. Yeah, I'm not sure um, how much... It's an interesting take, Kylie. I'm not sure how much myself... I haven't couldn't really tell you how much uh, definitive impact that's having on, on retail in terms of a, a downturn effect because people are, are concerned about the environment. It's absolutely a valid concern how that trickles through into, um, you know, people 
uh, I guess, keeping money in their wallets or, or not spending or, or... Well, particularly in Australia where housing costs are so expensive, the yep. amount of disposable income that if, that a, you know that an average family has now is um, potentially less because it yep. just costs more to live. Yep. Um, so I guess there's those impacts, but also, you know, the rise of, say, guys like the minimalists that, you know, say we, we actually don't need yep. all this stuff that we're, we're sold. We actually yep. don't need a lot of stuff to yep. live. And so it's, you know, money towards experience. Experience. And that's why I found it really interesting listening to some of the um, speakers this morning that talk about the retail, um, their, their retail business is actually more about experience. And, yep. and that's why there's also this growing movement for on, online retail to go back to brick and mortar, um, but in a different kind of way. Yeah, I think so. Look, um, that will definitely become a, a critical driver it's a, it's a great angle and and probably not something i've honestly thought a lot about but um it really makes sense what you're saying i hear a lot of you know anecdotal stories around um and and here there's definitely a movement towards uh, being far more conscious of the environment and and so any measure that can be taken to reduce the impact on the environment will be favorably received and what implications of that has for retail probably don't have a good opinion to be honest but you got me thinking good but, um, uh, well yep. <laughs> having some new thoughts that's what that's yeah. what this podcast is all about Absolutely. so that's great so we talked about amazon but what else do you see as being on the horizon for um innovation or disruption look i think if you look at um you know again look to the u.s market as a as a signal of trends i think um the optimization of the shopping experience via artificial intelligence and chatbots and things like that will um, happen quickly and, and really rapidly. There's a lot of investment going into artificial intelligence and there's a real land grab amongst you know, sort of your top technology providers, say Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, um, Google, all wanting to own and dominate the space. And then even you know, a, a retail giant like Walmart in the US has got a um, massive fund set up to to invest into artificial intelligence applications. And I I visited the US earlier this year and went to a conference uh, there and and, got a really good handle on some of the practical applications of artificial intelligence. So uh, you're also seeing these speaker devices that was raised earlier at the conference today, but these home speaker devices like the Amazon Echo and and Google Home um, becoming really popular items and basically they're like a little cylinder speaker thing that sits in your home and it's dormant and then um, you just call out to it hey Alexa um, we're out of washing powder and it will respond saying thank you washing powder will is on its way and it knows that the the data already has a handle on what washing powder you need um, how often you buy it you know so how much to get um, and you know, might ask you, okay, do you want fabric softener with that as well? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and it will just organise it for you. Uh, and then, yeah, so the applications for, for retail are fairly obvious there and uh, it can do some, some pretty cool things. So I think you're going to see more and more of um, these speaker activated artificial intelligence devices taking hold and, and providing um, easy, convenient retail experiences you know without having to get a phone out tap in anything search anything you just talk to it tell it what you want it does the searching and, and discovery for you and, and away you go and chatbots are a sort of text-based extension of, of exactly the same same thing so that is going to be 
I think any retailer who thinks that's not important um, is kidding themselves because that will come with a, with a rush mm. very soon. Mm. Do you, or what I should say is, who do you see in Australia as being some leaders in, in the e-commerce space? So I see some great retail brands. Uh, you know, Surf Stitch is an example of a retailer who unfortunately has had its struggles in terms of satisfying investors in the stock market, but I believe um, you know the fundam- they've they've made some wrong calls. But the fundamentals of the the business and the way they've created a really good e-commerce brand um, are really strong. You know, you can't go past Kogan, who's who's doing um, a lot effectively online and, and is one of the pioneers in the space and one of the the um, the brands that's been able to sustain for a long time. Um, but you know, I'm really proud of the way brands like Dan Murphy's, even Harvey Norman, a very late comer to um, the e-commerce space, at uh, um, improving their offerings online. As I say, um, it's it's always you know people will knock the experiences, but they've come a long way. They're continuing to improve. It's hard, you know, e-commerce is hard, and omni-channel is is hard. So you've got to look at um, uh, what they've got to work with how difficult the environment is and and I think um, you know they're they're doing really well and then we've got the online retail industry awards tomorrow night I think one of the one of the things that Australian retailers have done really well at perhaps against the rest of the world in some respects is um, mass customization I think we've had some some great brands in that space Um, tiny me comes to mind shoes of prey is a really well-known Australian brand that's done well in that space um, Mon Purse is is now going international, and so um, yeah, I think there's there's clearly a demand for those highly personalised experiences. I think people, obviously, customers feel um, a deeper connection with the product when it's got a personal touch to it, and that's really something that's that's taking off and and being done well by you know a number of of retailers in Australia. So if I could give you an unlimited budget and resources, what, what would you like to see happen in the local e-commerce space? I'd buy a villa in Bali. Oh, you mean um, <laughs> in the industry. Um, oh, unlimited budget and resource. Well, uh, I think, look, the front end experience is improving a lot. So if we talk about, you know, the... It, if, if we go back to, to 2010, it was... If you had a transacting website, you had a competitive advantage. If you actually were on an e-commerce platform and your site worked and people could buy from it, that was a competitive advantage. That's merely a ticket to the game now. And the the front-end interfaces, you know, it's a, it's a given that any e-commerce platform you buy today, out of the box, will be mobile responsive, um, you know, search optimized, have good site search functionality, good inventory management, order management, all of these things baked in that, that used to cost extraordinary amounts of money um, so so the front end is is under control I think if I had bucket loads of money it would be in um, you know working on ways to optimize the supply chain and, and the back end a lot more I don't can't tell you exactly what they are yet but I still feel that there's a um, that's where that's where the money is and that's where so many businesses come unstuck um, most businesses have a good website have a good like have a good functioning online store um, have the ability to get new customers via spending money on digital marketing but struggle to pro- make the business profitable 
because of the supply chain and and the um, you know the first mile and last mile delivery the the hard good stuff that's that's where I think so many of the businesses come unstuck so yeah I'd like to see you know more and more solutions going into that area to um, optimize it like I've seen a business in the US that um, I think is coming to Australia but it's it's like an Airbnb for warehousing where if you've got a warehouse you can and it's sort of happening now but but if you if you think about how efficient it could be with a network um, you know you could have um, more and more warehouses occupied at different times and make a life a lot easier. crowdsource 3PL. Yeah pretty yeah. much a crowdsource 3PL is a good way of looking at it and mm. you know presents opportunities there and and just um, you know creating better supply chain efficiencies with more collaboration and, and buying power and things like that because I think that's where you know a lot of businesses are, are struggling. Mm, interesting. So as a business owner themselves what are you excited about working on in your business going forward? Uh, well, I have two businesses, so I've got Power Retail. Look, with Power Retail, we're very determined to um, spend money on on leveraging our data and insights. I think we have been great at providing an industry resource for news and information about what's happening in the industry, but we really want to improve on that. We know we're sitting on um, some fantastic uh, data and insights on so many businesses in Australia that we really want to use that to make an, a really effective data product, product and, and more of an insights product so where retailers can um, you know, uh, use Power Retail to basically improve their businesses, understand their business, understand consumer behaviours a, a lot more um, than, than what they are at the moment so, and get you know, really accurate, up-to-date dashboard-type information um, KPIs, benchmarking, that type of thing. So that's one of the things that we are legitimately doing at the moment. And we have another business, Click Frenzy, as well. And, and so each year we run a series of online shopping events, 24-hour online shopping events that stimulate a huge amount of activity um, and a huge amount of online shopping activity. So um, we love that and, and we love that we're driving this this big stimulus for um, the online retail industry so we certainly have a vision that we want to do more to stimulate online shopping in Australia so um, so we've got some yeah things in the pipeline and and for us it's just all about you know trying to improve that um, that customer online shopping experience at a macro level rather than an individual level and that's what we're trying to do. Mm, fantastic. So Grant, for people who are interested in finding out more about you, where could they do that? About me personally, look, uh, I'm easy to look up on LinkedIn, I guess, and uh, I pretty much connect with anyone who, who wants to. Um, we have powerretail.com.au, which has plenty of information. I don't have my own blog or anything like that. If, if it was anything, it would be powerretail.com.au because I write plenty of content on that. But um, yeah, always happy to, to chat to people and, and connect with people, particularly via LinkedIn is probably an, an easy one. Yeah, great. And so Power Retail, it has an email newsletter that you can subscribe yes, to? Yes, so yeah, so it's free to subscribe. So sign up um, and you'll be getting the newsletter on, on a weekly basis and um, yeah, access to you know surveys and reports and things like that as well that we publish. Super valuable. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, it's free, so there's not really a downside. 
Terrific. Well, thanks so much for your time and your perspective today. It's great. I feel like we've kind of done a bird's eye view of the Australian e-commerce market. So I really appreciate your time today. No worries. Thanks, Kylie. We'll wrap it there. Thank you. Thanks, Grant. Cool. Thanks for listening. If you've loved what you've heard, make sure you're subscribed at onlineretailer.com.au to be the first to know about Australia's best e-commerce events.